0: But this I will call to mind, therefore I will hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are renewed each morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lamentations chapter 3, 21 through 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are renewed each morning. Friends, we are three weeks into the semester, and that is more than enough time to have messed up. (laughs) Actually, Scripture says that even the just man sins seven times a day. So how do you respond to your sin? I want to use the gospel today to highlight a few unhelpful ways that we respond to sin. And then I want to show the true face of the Father's mercy. Whenever we sin, it's common to respond with bargaining, denial, or discouragement. And all of those responses are rooted in an inadequate image or idea of the Father. I want to look at each of those responses and then move our gaze to the true face of the Father's mercy. So the first unhelpful response to sin is bargaining. We see this response in the prodigal son from the gospel. Let's look at his thought process. Because once he reaches the point of desperation, he thinks to himself, I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. Now the son knows that he doesn't deserve to come home. He actually probably thinks that his father has disowned him, knowing how dishonorably he's treated him. After all, he asked for his inheritance even before his father died, which is like saying to him, you're as good as dead to me. You're only worth the money that I will get when you die. And then he leaves his father's land and way of life, separating himself entirely from the family. The son responds to this sin so shameful by bargaining, by offering to accept the demotion from son to servant. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. But even that would be a mercy. The father had the right to disown him altogether. And at this point in the parable, Jesus' audience probably expected that the father would send a delegation out to meet the son and inform him that he had been disowned and had no right whatsoever to be on the property. They would have thought, if you wanted to live in the land of the Gentiles and throw away everything that I've given you, then go back to your people, your way of life, and your religion. But the story takes a completely unexpected turn. Once the son begins his rehearsed bargain, the father doesn't even let him finish. Quickly, bring the finest robe and put it on him, Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast. Look at these gifts that the father showers on his son. A robe. This is not just temporal needs that a servant would have. It's a mark of high distinction. A ring. Very likely a signet ring. Having the seal of the family. It indicates not only belonging to the family but also having the authority of a son. It shows that he is readmitted to the family, not on the diminished terms of the bargain, but in an unqualified way. Shoes. Again, this is not just temporal needs. It shows that he is a free man. He's able even to leave the home again if he wants to. And finally, the calf. Reserved only for very special occasions, the feast is a further indication of the son's readmission to the family by being received at the table. Now, compare the way that the father responds to the prodigal son's sin to the way that you think he responds to your sin. Do you see him rejoicing at your return covering you with kisses, and showering you with gifts? Because if we did, we would have no fear of returning. But very often, we come back so ashamed of what we did that we never even look at the Father. We only look at ourselves, and we think to ourselves, I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. I don't deserve to know the peace and joy and love of being your son or your daughter. But if I hate myself enough for what I've done, would that be good enough? Would I be okay in your sight then? Friends, the father will not accept that bargain. He will not accept you back into his family as anything less than the son or the daughter that you are. You are his And nothing that you can do is capable of changing that. So look at him, not only at yourself. Look at him and come back. Let his joyful face melt away the shame. Let him receive you with delight. Let him cover you with kisses and shower you with gifts. Let him forgive you and restore to you the dignity of sons and daughters that he longs for you to have. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are renewed each morning. Now the second unhelpful response to sin is denial. And we see this response from the older son in the gospel today. Let's look at the way that he responds to the merciful treatment of his younger brother. He says, look, all these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughter the fattened calf. Not once did I disobey your orders. The older son denies needing the father's mercy, and so he is enraged when he sees his brother receiving it. But of course, it's not true that he never disobeyed his father's orders. Even the just man sins seven times a day. And the hatred that he shows his brother is further proof that this son is not sinless. What do you think he might say if we were to confront him on that lie? He might say, well, it's not like I've done what my brother did, and that would be true, but it's also completely beside the point. We know in school that if we fail a test, it doesn't matter if our brother did worse. But when it comes to God, we often pretend like it does. Sure, I'm not perfect, but it's not like I've killed anyone. Maybe true, but completely beside the point. Think about it from this perspective. All Adam did was eat an apple. All Adam did was eat an apple. And in doing so, he broke his relationship with God. That others have committed worse sins does not mean that we're not sinless. It doesn't mean that we're right with God. It doesn't mean that we don't need His mercy. Every mortal sin breaks our relationship with God not just murder. A mortal sin has three characteristics. It's a grave matter done freely and done knowingly. The most common mortal sins committed in college are missing mass on Sunday, looking at pornography, getting drunk, and sexual impurity with another. If we freely commit those sins, knowing that they're gravely wrong, then we commit a mortal sin. We break our relationship with God, and we need His mercy. We need to be reconciled to the Father in the sacrament of confession. Friends, to die in a state of mortal sin is to deny the Father's mercy forever, which means to choose hell. And no one wants that, and it doesn't have to be like that. In fact, the Father begs that we don't let it come to that. Listen again to how the father responds to the denial of the older son. When he, the older son, refused to enter the house, the father came out and pleaded with him. He pleaded with him. The father, who is completely in the right, takes the humble position of begging Perhaps you've seen an image or a painting of the prodigal son begging on his knees with the father wrapping him in his arms. It's always a moving sight. But imagine now the father on his knees begging, pleading with his older son. Everything I have is yours, he tells him. The father wants to give the older son everything, and he begs him to receive it. He loves him with the same extravagant love with which he loves the prodigal son. But the father will not force it upon us. If we deny that we need his mercy, we turn our hearts away from everything that he wants for us, both now and forever. Jesus doesn't tell us how the parable ends. We don't know if the older son accepts the father's pleading, and in doing so, he leaves us in the position of the older son. Will we admit that we need the father's mercy? Will we be reconciled to God in the sacrament of confession? 1 John chapter 1, verses 7-8 to eight. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's answer the Father's pleading and let him give us everything. Finally, the last unhelpful response to sin is discouragement. I want to conclude with this response because a temptation may arise at this point. Perhaps you've been moved to seek the Lord's mercy in the past, and perhaps today's readings has moved you to seek it again. A spark of hope returns to your heart, and then comes the realization, I will just fall again. Perhaps you've tried time and time again to overcome your sins. Perhaps the idea of beginning the battle to overcome them seems too daunting, And we can think to ourselves, no matter how much I try, it will never get better. And that threatens to extinguish the small flame of hope that has arisen in our hearts. Friends, send that thought back to hell from which it came. And listen again to the inspired words of sacred scripture. But this I will call to mind, therefore I will hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are renewed each morning. Lamentations chapter 3. I find this truth of Scripture so encouraging. The joy and the affection that the father has for the prodigal son when he comes home is renewed every day. Every time that we come back to the Father, He receives us in the way that Jesus describes in today's gospel. He receives us with overwhelming joy and affection. We're not capable of diminishing His love and mercy in the smallest bit. They are new every day. He never tires of forgiving us. So let's not tire of asking for forgiveness. The more fully that we receive God's love and mercy, the more he will dispel the self-hatred that sometimes we feel. And the more completely we'll be able to turn away from those sins that separate us from his love. It's not the other way around. We often think that we have to turn away from our sin before we're good enough to be loved by God. And that inevitably leads to discouragement. The truth is, God's love comes first, and our response follows. It's when we allow the Lord to cover us with undeserved kisses. It's when we allow him to shower us with unmerited gifts that we will also receive the grace we need to overcome our sin. So let the true face of God's mercy, the face of joy and affection, encourage you. Come back to him as many times as it takes. He will never give up. Just like the older son, he wants us to know that everything he has is ours. Let's take him up on his offer. Going to confession is a very normal part of our lives as Catholics. I try to go once a month. So make the time to come back and receive the loving mercy Thank you for listening to Aggie Catholic Homilies. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Be sure to check out our sister podcast, Aggie Catholic Talks, to hear talks from Magnify, Catholicism 101, and more. Thanks, God bless, and gig'em.